Hey everyone, this is Let Me Know How It Is, a podcast about all things geek. You know those stories where we flash forward and we see the future that could be? The ones that's usually all broken and messed up? They're great, right? I know, I love them too. That's exactly what we're talking about today, our favorite speculative future stories. Don't forget to leave us a comment with your topic ideas, and give us a like and a subscribe while you're at it. Thanks for listening. All right, guys, we covered our favorite speculative future stories today. I'm Zach Slater. I'm Frank Melman. I'm Tommy Smithereens. And I'm Clifton. Okay, so uh, as we were coming up with our list for this episode, we found that a lot of the stories we were called as future episodes or comics were really just alternate reality stories. So we thought we'd just include those here as well. So you're getting that too. So, all right, who wants to go first? I will. The one that I first thought of in my time travel adventure was Adventure Comics 247, in which Superman is introduced to who? But the Legion of Superheroes, when three teens come back in time and say, we love you, Superman. And they show why they loved him by taking him into the future and show how beautiful this future was. It was such a great adventure that it eventually became a scene in DC Comics called the Legion of Superheroes. I enjoyed the concept of it. Um, I wish they haven't retconned and changed it like several thousand times over for the Legion of Superheroes. Um, I enjoyed the original concept that created uh, the Legion of Superheroes in which they wanted um, to be everything like Superman. And it was a great thing to go back in time and meet their idol in that regard, even though it takes place a thousand years in the future. Superman's thought of this, the greatest thing since sites bred in, even in the idyllic future such as theirs. And I thought it was awesome. It is awesome. I agree. But it's also one of those things where I love the fact that they, they basically want... It's Superboy, right? This is a Superman or Superboy? I want to say Superman. Uh, I think it's... It, well, no, that's not right. Because the Legion, are, they themselves are, twi- are uh, teens. So right. it was Superboy, not Superman. Yes. So what I love about the fact is that they basically take Superboy to the future and they're, they're basically, you know, you know, basically boosting him when they're in the past. And when they're mm-hmm. 60, you know, at that point, even like 50s or 60s, Smallville. And then they get him to the future and they're like, we'd like you to join our club and we're going to basically put you these tests. And really all they do is haze him. Yes. <laughs> yes. Because <laughs> he, he fails every time. It's kind of like, well, they don't outright say, wow, man, you suck for, you know, we thought you were great, but really you're, you're terrible. They, basically, it's like one of those, ah, Superboy, we're just fooling you. You know, really, we've been messing with you the whole time and we, we, we rigged every contest that we gave you so that you would fail. <laughs> yes. Okay. <laughs> Sounds, yeah. sounds like it, the 50s. Yes. Right. And, it's one of those, and it's one of those things where I've, I've heard this is a rumor, but I'm not necessarily sure if it's true. But when John Byrne took over and did Man of Steel, he had, he had such animosity towards the Legion. That's part of the reason why they didn't make it into, you know, into the, they didn't, he didn't like the fact that they hazed him. Wow. Oh, really? So he's like, Legion are jerks. I'm never using them. Right. Yeah. I'm scrubbing exactly. them from <laughs> continuity. <laughs> yes. We're gonna, I'm going to put them in a pocket universe and they're never going to be part of my, my take on Superman. Wow. Like, yeah, just, don't. It's not, you know, I'd have to look it up, but that's what I've heard. That was the reason why that happened. He took it personally. Yeah, he just made the Legion dystopian. I mean, <laughs> a bunch of jerks, well, yeah. jerks go come back in time and hate Superman. But I mean, if you remember in, in Man of Steel, the, the, basically the idea is the fact that Superman was never Superboy, right? Yes. So at one point when the Legion comes back in time, they, they don't realize, you know, they, they meet Burns, Man of Steel or Superman. And he's like, what do you mean? I'm, you know, you guys know me. <laughs> right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He has no idea who they are. 
Yeah. You know, and you could argue that's one of the first places where they really start to monkey with the timeline by putting everything in a pocket universe and saying, well, when you guys went back in time, that's where you went and it was all the time trappers fault. So <laughs> I'm mad that Byrne had the uh, Superman ghost, the Legion of Superheroes. That's just, that's just sad. Sadness. Well, on top of that, you get like, you get, you know, spoiler alert, you get a, a story that's, you know, at this point, 35 years old, but you get the death of Superboy as a result. Yeah. Yeah, you do. So, so yeah, that's, that's, that's one of those where I agree with you that for, for being a concept that, and that was more like a tryout for the Legion because when the Legion comes back, you know, the first one's only got, you know, Cosmic Boy and Lightning Lad and Saturn Girl. And when they come back, it's much more of a concept where they actually are more, it's almost like, I think if I remember correctly, they're the descendants. They try to play it off as like, well, those are our, 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 our parents or grandparents. And now we're the other Legion. And they kind of say, well, yeah, that story happened, but you know, it's one of those early tryout type books for a concept like Legion. And then when it comes back, it's, it's never really mentioned again after that. Huh. Who would have thought that John Byrne was butthurt over the Legion? Oh, that's sad. <laughs> yeah. I never heard that before. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it, it yeah. stays to the character as far as he's concerned. I mean, well, he was, but, you know, he, he could be not that, not that we don't want all of his, you know, his legion of, of fans to come after us, but at the same time, it's one of those things where he has a, has, has a history of being very upset about stuff very quickly. So, yeah, but no, I, I love his work at the top of his game and all, but still, sure, sure. he still love a jerk. Right. <laughs> he loves <their> work. <laughs> yeah. So, oh, yeah. but yeah, Legion's a great one. I think Legion's a great one to kick us off. Cause again, it's one of those things of, you know, a Legion. Those those early Legion stories more so than after like when they say you get to like the seventies or eighties, you get to see a lot of like well what's you know what's the world look like for having a telephone or what's a television like. There's a lot of that stuff early on mm-hmm. of like speculating like what the world's going to be like in a thousand years mm-hmm. that you don't really get after. So yeah, okay. Legion's a great choice. Cool. Uh, cool. Yep. I like. Yeah, it. long live the Legion, man. Long also, live the I, I don't know what else is on the rest of your guys' list, but my guess is maybe the only like non dystopia. <laughs> one on the list too maybe may we'll see no, not necessarily okay not necessarily okay well not not, so. not according to john bernie's not it's, it's, sounds like they were dystopian man right. they were yeah mean. yeah yeah the future sucks right. yes <laughs> they're just gonna haze you yeah exactly <laughs> freck what do you got uh what would i i was thinking about this a lot and when we, we were having trouble coming up with, we, i like the idea of speculative you know speculative uh futures and all that stuff but i think when we decided to do a little more of alternate uh, timeline stuff. One of my favorites is is and this is outside of comics is in uh, in Buffy the Vampire Slayer, mm-hmm. and it's from. Let me see. I took notes. It is. It's an episode <laughs> called The Wish. <laughs> yeah, I knew you'd do this. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it is from. Let me see. This is this yeah, is it's from, one of the ones I don't know. So yeah. So paint me a picture, yeah. Frank. It's from season oh. three of episode it's episode nine of, of Buffy the Vampire Slayer, and basically what it is is. At one point, you have, you know, uh, Cordelia's with Xander and, you know, and then uh, Willow is with Oz. And uh, there's been this sort of attraction between um, Xander and Willow from like, like off and on from the beginning of the series. They get thrown together in a kidnap situation and they end up kissing. And when they find them after being kidnapped, you know, they basically are found kissing in front of like their boyfriend and girlfriends. Mm-hmm. And then you have this whole situation of trying to work that out. Well, anyway, Cordelia decides to dump Xander, but it's damaged her reputation at the high school because she's like the popular it girl. So on top of that, she makes a wish, you know, as kids in Sunnydale do, you know, and summons a demon to deal with, you know, with what's going on. And basically she wishes, I wish Buffy had never come to Sunnydale and we wouldn't have to deal with all this crap. Okay. So she wishes that away. And then what you find out is the big bad from season one, the master, therefore would have taken over Sunnydale. 
and most of the kids are you know are either working for him like Xander will turn out to be you know they get turned and they're vampires and then Buffy shows up long after his plan has gone through and it's too sort of too late and one of the things I love about this like you know alternate timeline or alternate future is the fact that well Cordelia dies spoiler <laughs> in okay. the episode so it's one of those things where you know then it's it's almost like an act break where you sort of have like the person who basically put this whole you know timeline into motion the only one that really knows things are out of out of place is killed she gets she gets killed by the vampires vampires kill her so then you're kind of left to drift to see what would happen and it's just sort of kind of through Tommy is it through happenstance where they sort of get the world back i forget i'm trying to remember because no I, I remember how the thing began and i was going to add it in i didn't know if you remember that but i'm trying to um there's a situation in which the wish demon I guess reverts it back. I'm trying to think of it's Anyanka. It's Anya. Yeah, no, I know who the I know who the witch demon is. <laughs> but I'm trying right. to see how it gets played back because you're right with Cordelia dying almost damn near immediately after she makes the wish, <laughs> right? And she's chopped up. I'm trying to think how it resolves itself in such a way that they're brought back to the um reality that everyone has come to know, right? But no, that's a that's an awesome um alternate reality because you even um get a, a great character for Dark Willow. In which mm-hmm. you get you get a total reversal of a sweet innocent character being turned into a a a, 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 a swear for it just a a, a hate a, 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 a stoic hateful evil chick. I mean she's I mean she's much more like you know like um, overt and much more like lusty <laughs> when she's a vampire. <laughs> yes. Whereas yes. Willow is very much like you know reserved and quite you know quiet and kind of nerdy. Mm-hmm. And it's an, it's an interesting take for uh, Allison Hannigan to play. Because normally she's the one that just doesn't, you know, that's not her character at all. And then through, you know, through a twist of fate later, you you get reintroduced to the the dark willow or the or the vampire willow again, I should say later, you know. But it's one of those things where, like I said, the biggest thing for me is the fact that you have this alternate this alternate timeline or this alternate event. And even Anya, the 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 vengeance demon, mm-hmm. gets to ha- gets to hang out afterwards because she loses. Like I think I think it's like the the thing with the no. gem or whatever they make no, the you're wish right. on. She yeah, wasn't a regular right. at that point, right? She was just, no, she was reoccurring. No. Yeah. Right. She becomes a reoccurring, reoccurring character later. That's her introduction right okay. there. And the funny thing is she ends up with, you know, she's with Xander, who basically is the one who caused this whole thing in the first place. <laughs> so. Yeah. If I remember correctly, the episode ended with uh, Giles summoning Anyanka and then mm-hmm. breaking her amulet, which is the center of all her powers. There That's is. what yeah, brings okay. it back to the original reality, right? Right. Yep. Yep. Yeah. That's it. So that's one of mine. Like I've always enjoyed that. Like I said, it, it's rare that you have that sort of situation where the person that basically makes it all happen doesn't survive. Right. So, yeah, I thought it was an interesting turn and an interesting take on that the whole yeah. trope, basically. No, it is. Yeah. I mean, it's a it's it's a familiar formula, you know. But yeah, I mean that that's an interesting little little twist on it and everything. It sounds cool. I mean, yeah. uh, I'm picturing a lot of like black turtlenecks. <laughs> in this well i mean you know again it's the you know it's the it's the kids that are you know you're you're part of the plucky you know scooby gang are the ones that are sort of turned even buffy when she shows up is a little more a little more rough and tumble because doesn't she have like a facial scar or something from oh of course oh, yes she, yes. <laughs> she has does she, does she have one arm or something no that's the no 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 she just like if i remember because she just has she has a scar from like you know not having a very good watcher where Giles was supposed to be her watcher for when she got nothing. To Sunnydale, so. Yes, nothing says alternate future or alternate reality better than facial scars. Well, you need or, a cable or eye an too. eye patch, or an eye patch, yeah, or an eye patch, or a cable yeah. eye, or missing yeah. hand. 
or mm-hmm. goatee. A goatee helps. Cybernetic arm. Robotic hand of some guy. Yeah. Yeah. So that's my that's my vote. I would go with that one. Okay. My favorite. No, it's a good so, one. I okay. think it sounds cool. That's <laughs> great. Yeah, that's a good one. Great. Yeah, great episode. All right. So Clifton, what do you got? Uh, I'm just gonna go back to like the the origins of this, just to give some nods to a couple things where I think early on genres that uh, presented this idea, and I'm talking way back in time. Because we were we were called out by a friend of ours for for neglecting a uh, a classic face turn from literature, and that okay. was uh, uh, Scrooge from Christmas Carol. Okay. okay, sure, that's a good one. And that also included uh, Speculative Future, a cautionary tale where Scrooge visits the future and sees his grave. Yep, very of true. what he would become if he does not change his ways. Mm-hmm. And then another early one, about 50 years after that one, was H.G. Uh, Wells' Time Machine, which is the, an early dystopian future with the Morlocks versus the Eloy. Mm-hmm. And that's just a nightmare's future where the human race is split off into two different separate races. One is basically the sheep that the other feeds on as the predators. I mean, it's definitely been looked at in, in fiction ever since then. So much so that we've got the Morlocks and X-Men as a direct hmm. a little nod to that. Right. Which one came first of those two? Is it Time Machine? No, Christmas Carol was like 1843 and Time Machine was 1895, I okay. believe. I'm curious. So did the Christmas Carol create this genre, essentially? Was that like the first story that we can think of that that had the this? first like semi time travel like this will f- be your future story? Yeah, <laughs> I, I'm Possibly. not positive. I was actually going to try to look into that a little more, but but didn't get a chance to yet. But it's definitely it's definitely got to be early an example of it, right? Yeah. No, yeah. I mean, that's Christmas Carol is is an important one, I think, because I think a lot of the stories are aping that in some way. I mean, right. uh, um, yeah, I like mean, change your ways or else. Yeah. And we're going to show you what the or else is. Yeah, for sure. And a lot of times, even modern day, I think is just doing like like a version of that, like set right. in whatever like series or whatever comic book we're reading. They're just doing, you know, this is, I don't know, DuckTales, but it's a Christmas Carol, <laughs> <laughs> you know? Right. Yeah. Right. Or Mickey's Christmas Carol. Yeah. Sure. There we go. <laughs> yeah. It's Scrooge. So it's it confused right. me. But it's yeah, easy. No, that's a great one, though. That's that's one of my favorite retellings of it ever. But yeah, now Muppet Christmas Carol. That's the best one. Oh, really? You put that one over? Oh yeah, Mickey's Cr- really. Oh Interesting. yeah, <laughs> by far. <laughs> <laughs> but I like any version of it, so I'm not discounting any version. Just Muppet Christmas Carol is my favorite. Never seen it, <laughs> but I, I gotta, I gotta, I gotta try out the Muppet ones then. But yeah, yeah I'll watch it this Christmas. We'll see. <laughs> We'll see if it'll be if it'll be a tradition like like Home Alone and Christmas <laughs> Vacation and all those other ones. But I have a question then. Yeah. Now, if we're going back to Dayton as which came first or or how far back the time travel one, would you guys consider Rip Van Winkle one as well? Because that predates that, too. Right. Mm. Interesting. OK. Yeah. Because, I mean, unfortunately for him, he lives mm. it. <laughs> I mean, right. yeah, yeah. It's no, there's no. Oops, you know, it's just a dream. Nope, nope. This is your life now. Yeah, no, that's a good point. Yeah, I guess Rip Van Winkle, if if that predates it for sure, yeah, mm-hmm. then then that that might be the first, or 
future you know, story at least and, yeah. and even and even and even earlier account yeah. yeah so okay so what am i gonna go with um i am i'm gonna go to the simpsons <laughs> and i'm okay. gonna say uh lisa's wedding from season six <laughs> so this episode is like the the simpson family's at like a renaissance festival and lisa sees like a fortune teller and the fortune teller is like i'm gonna tell you the story of your true love Right. And then we see Lisa like all grown up. She's like 23 and she meets a British guy and they kind of like, you know, and he's brainy and, and you know, uh, educated and everything. So they hit it off right away and, and they fall in love. And, you know, he's at odds with her buffoonish family. <laughs> essentially. <laughs> right. Yeah. And what I like about that one is that this is early. So this is like season six. So outside of a couple of jokes here and there. This is like one of the first times we see like a flash forward episode for the Simpsons of which they did many after this. Right. <laughs> you know, but yeah, no, I just, uh, I just like this one to, to, you know, you get to see how, how, how alike Bart and his father are, <laughs> <laughs> right. you know, it's got a ton of heart with the ending and everything like that. I think it's, a, it's a very sweet Homer Lisa moment at the end where, um, you know, basically uh, I'm spoiling the episode. But basically, like, like her, her fiance, it's contingent that like Homer wants him to wear like this absurd, stupid pair of like pig cufflinks. That's like a family heirloom to the wedding. And he's like, all right, I'll wear it. It's important to Lisa that he wears it, too. And he's like, I'll wear it. But like after this, like we have to like cut your family off. <laughs> right. Oh, that's right. Essentially. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Yes. And then yes. and then right. basically like she calls off the wedding, essentially. And then, you know, and we go back to, to regular time and then she steps out of, of the fortune teller and meets up with her dad. Who's also at the Ren Renfest. And then he's like, you know, coming up with like a Turkey leg or whatever. And he's just telling her about the, his day and how much fun he had. And it's just a nice moment between the two of them. And I like it. So, and I wanted an good. unconventional one. So I threw the Simpsons out. Nice. Yeah. I like it. It is a good one. Thank you. Okay. So we are, we're back to Frank. No, we're back to Tommy. Okay. Well, yeah. this one I thought of, and I'm trying to run up um, Frank on what I think he's going to mention, but ah. the monkey wrenches, the alternate universes, which totally derails my plan of attack. But nonetheless, I thought of Fantastic Four, number 19, in which we introduced to Kang the Conqueror. Ah, okay. Which is nice because it's a flip on the futuristic take because they travel back in time to meet Ramatut, which right. ultimately is Kane the Conqueror from a distant future, which is a weird take on the futuristic version of someone who's in the past, so to speak. Yes. To me, I wasn't a huge um, Avengers person, so I don't know the um, details of how it worked in the Fantastic Four, how he was introduced to such. But I know Kane became a thorn in the Avengers side from that point forward on many occasions of him muddling with the future and dealing with his alternate times. Right, Frank? Yes. Yeah. So that was my take on the alternate future with, of some of uh, that despot that they deal with from a time perspective. Kane the Conqueror. Yes, I like that one, too. I like the whole idea that he he's basically bored at one point, I believe, is what happens. And he decides to go back in time to the time of of. Ancient Egypt and becomes Ramatut as opposed to just being Kang. Right? Yes, is that what yeah, it is? that's what it is. Yeah, 
Yeah. So basically, he's looking for a little more excitement because, you know, he's kind of like, ah, it's almost like an Alexander the Great type moment where he's like, I've conquered the future. <laughs> this really doesn't hold anything for me anymore. So at one point, he stops off, obviously, and starts his, you know, his, his stuff with the, the Avengers. And then the, even further back when he goes back to Ramatut and then runs into the Fantastic Four. So yeah, that's a good one. I like that one too. I always like the idea of, you know, someone coming back. Again, it's, it's, it's similar somewhat in the Legion, except this time it's a villain as opposed to, you know. That's what I was going to ask because I've never read this issue before and I, yeah. and I was like is is this is this a bit of like i'm going back to challenge like these great heroes of of this century that 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 you know i've heard about that we're still talking about in my time actually it gets that comes along a little bit less like mm-hmm. he gets sort of that type of feel with avengers forever series in which he's yeah. a constant thorn to the avengers in that love and then they sort of shuffle him his identity like at one point he's immortus iron lad right. you know it, it's it's like he plays with time in different ways. Yeah. Again, it's kind of a thing of, you know, just because again, it's, 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 it's weird because Kang's one of those characters, especially at Marvel that, you know, because he is a time traveler, you know, things branch off and therefore you have to deal with, again, his alternate timeline versions of himself. Like he's like Tommy was saying, like Immortus or Iron, Iron Lad or, uh, uh, Rama Tut or the Scarlet Centurion's another one that's yeah. like, a, yeah. you know, a weird offshoot. Mm-hmm. So it happens. I mean, Kang's, you know, Kang's an interesting character and it's one of those things where, you know, I keep hearing Kang's a possibility for future MC, you know, the, the, the Marvel cinematic stuff. I also hear stuff like Korvac might be a possibility. So, you know, I think Kang is a, with, with, with all the stuff, the time travel stuff in Endgame, I think Kang's a better choice, but we'll wait and see. Definitely. Yeah. So. So yeah, mine's more of a person. I'm, I'm sure, I'm sure he's on a board somewhere. <laughs> oh, I'm sure. Oh, I don't doubt it. You know? have, like I said, with with time travel at Marvel, I don't see why, you know, he's one of the ones that I'm just like, no, he he obviously when that's when I saw that in Endgame, I'm like, well, you know, they should lean pretty heavy into Kang, but we'll see. Because again, the one of the things about um Avengers Forever with it, Tommy mentioned was the fact that it's a great miniseries by uh Kurt Busiek and Carlos Pacheco. If you've never read it, it's awesome. Um it takes place during uh Kurt's run back in how long ago was that now, Tommy? <laughs> Jeez. <laughs> right, it was Early two thousands, so at least twenty years ago. Yeah, it's a good more. twenty years ago. But yeah. during the middle of it, there, like there's a part where you know he does a big storyline with Kang, and then Avengers Forever is basically this idea that um, there's a threat to all the timelines and all the time, and the Avengers come to get the Avengers assemble. They come together, but it's not one particular group of Avengers. It's different Avengers from different points of their life, and it's really, really, really good book. Really well done. If you like the Avengers at all, it's a lot of fun. Cool. Because again, it gives you it gives you a taste of like characters where they were. Like for example, there's one like the Captain America that timeline chooses is from a point where where Cap is not real sure about his place in the world or or how America is going, and he's basically decided to quit. <laughs> so you yeah. don't really have that typical "I'm going to rally everybody around me, Captain America," which is a nice bit. Okay. And then they have characters from the future that you don't really know as part of an Avengers team. Like, well, yeah, I've been an Avenger for a while, but we've never seen them as Avengers. Okay. And do those characters get played with down the line? Uh, some of them do. Some of them do. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Some of them do. Definitely do. Cool. So, Clifton was one hundred percent correct. That's like a twenty-year-old book. It came out in nineteen ninety-eight to nineteen ninety-nine. Okay. Yeah, it's a good one. It's one of those where it it, it takes place between like issues, but it's a twelve-issue miniseries. Mm-hmm. So okay, well worth reading. Well worth checking out. Huh? Yeah. No, that sounds neat. Yeah, we'll have to put yeah. that one in the notes. Yes. Okay. All right, so Frank, it's your turn. All right, so I was again. I didn't go with uh, 
I didn't go with comics. I didn't I didn't do it for a particular reason, mm. other than the fact that I thought Tommy might try to <laughs> pick every choice that I had. So <laughs> he tries. He tries to do that. He does. He likes to because he he, does, he hates going first and therefore takes it out on me. So, <laughs> but the one that I chose was an episode of Community called Remedial Chaos Theory. Ah. <laughs> it's one of my, again, it's another great take on the idea of an alternate timeline. Um, it's from season three. It's episode four of Community for that season. And one of the things you have to keep in context was at that point in, in season three of Community, um, Dan Harmon decides we're going to do... It's going to be episodic television, but at the same time, we're going to do storylines over the entirety of season three, mm-hmm. right? Like the other, you know, the other seasons, like the first two had the episodes that tied in, there was continuity, but this was like, we're going to start these characters in one place at the beginning of the season, and by the end, they're going to have gone through this journey of different things that happened throughout the season. And it was planned out that way. So you get to this point with this remedial chaos theory. Also, if you don't know about community, every episode is titled like a college course, since it takes place at a community college. So this particular episode takes place at uh, Troy and Abed's apartment. They're having a housewarming. They're having everyone over, and they're going to play Yahtzee. And the the doorbell rings, and someone has to go let the guy in with their pizza. Abed theorizes that every time they take a die that Jeff decides to roll, he creates an alternate timeline because someone else has to go get the pizza. So you basically, in 22 minutes, they manage to show you what the seven of them going to get this pizza would affect the storyline. Okay. And it's all it's all done in like I said 22 minutes. That sounds cool. Oh, it's amazing. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's such a good ep- I mean, I love community anyway, but it's such a good episode of community and a good episode of television mm. that they managed to show you just and, and also deal with all the other stuff that they've built up to this point in the season of what's, you know, of, of various things that happen. And and you know, and one particular character when one particular character goes to get it, they create something called the darkest timeline where, you know, that person going to get pizza ends in 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 you know, it's funny tragedy, but tragedy nonetheless. Okay. So, yeah, it's one of my favorites. I, I think it's a fantastic episode of a fantastic series. Uh, yes, Remedial Chaos Theory is my choice. Is the is meme that the I've gift seen? with the fire and the pizza? Yeah, that's what yeah. I was going to say. Yeah. Okay. Yes, that's it. That's from that episode. Okay. Yes. okay. I love that gag. Yeah, the, the, the darkest timeline <laughs> yeah. is when Abed goes to get the pizza. But no, but it's <laughs> funny nope. because every bit, you got a character that leaves the uh, scene. And you see what it's like to be around them without that particular character interacting with their other ones. That makes it even more interesting from a character standpoint. What I love about it is the best example is when they finally make Joel get the pizza. Oh, it's not Joel. Um, Jeff. Jeff, sorry. Joel McHale is the character. Yes. That he, that is the character. Yes. I mean, is the actor of the character. But when Jeff gets the pizza, that's the best time they have, which is funny to me. Right. Actually, it's, it's, I'm looking at Wikipedia. Wikipedia says it's Troy. When Troy goes, when Donald Glover's character goes to get the pizza, it's uh, when they create the dark okay. timeline. I was confused. Again. But yeah, it's, it's, it's one of those. Yeah. It's again, for being, for as much as they have to cram into it <laughs> for 22 minutes, I, I'm, you know, if you know, story, you know, story structure, it's just really amazing what they managed to do in that amount of time. Yeah. With seven different characters. Sounds like it. It must be. I'm intrigued. Yeah. It's a good I'm one. Intrigued. Okay. So quick note from our editor, thank you, who managed to find this. So he he says, uh, Memoirs of the 20th Century. Okay, so that was uh, written by Samuel Madden in 1733. And okay. in that, a guardian angel travels back to the year 1728 with letters from the years 1997 and 1998. And it's one of the first instances where like time travel is an important aspect to a story. So huh. that's so, an interesting one. I'll have to go back and try to yeah, find that one. I've never even heard of this. So yeah, this, yeah. this is an interesting one. 
So cool. Awesome. Thank you. Thank you for that one. And that segues into uh, the one I'll bring up, which is the classic Days of Future Past. Okay. Which <laughs> presents uh, uh, Kitty Pride from the future, an older Kitty Pride in a dystopian, nightmarish future where the mutants are literally hunted down to near extinction by robots and mutants turned hunters. And uh, her consciousness is projected back in time to warn the X-Men of what their future might hold for them. Yes, good old Catherine Pride. Yep. <laughs> yes. <laughs> that's that's part of the way they make the distinction that she's older. It's like, oh, no, no, I'm, I'm right, Catherine. She's not Kitty. Right. Yeah. Right. <laughs> <laughs> she outgrows that. Yes. <laughs> yeah, this is a super powerful one to me. And it's also because like, and, we, and we're not really in the future for all that long, but it's so... It's so like the dominant thing of the story, in my in right. my opinion, right? Mm-hmm. This is a short story too, really. I mean, this is only two issues. Sure. This is the thing. It's not. It's not like a full trade paperback of stuff. It's not. You know, it's two. It's two issues. It's it's in and out. Two of the best covers of all time, in my opinion. <laughs> God, it's great. Yeah, that, the two classic covers, really. Yeah, but the first one definitely the one that. One that gets done over and over again is that, uh, was it 140, what are she's on it? 141, 142. So that's the one that I'm just, yeah, I'm amazed at how good and, you know, how often that thing. Part one is the, uh, them against the wall with the wanted posters behind them <laughs> with all the ones X'd out who are dead. Yep. Yes. Classic. Yeah. Well, that's also, I mean, also, I mean, the callback to that is in the issue where you get the point where they, you know, they, they're showing you the, the exposition and they go past the graves and it's like Reed Richards and Peter Parker right. and, yeah. you know, John Storm Graham, and yeah. all of those. Yeah. All those characters are gone. So was that the first uh because I read X-Men uh astonishingly out of order. <laughs> you know? No, was that no like the intended. first instance where we saw like Magneto like switch over? Or is there an instance um, in the Uncanny X-Men that kind of like teases that a little bit before it plays with it? Um like in that run or in general? In general. Like is it is it the first time we see the character sort of like like with the good guys. No, I mean, he's pretty much, I mean, like he goes through a couple, you know, there's a moment where he gets reverted back to being a baby and there's like other stuff that happens to him along his timeline. But around that time is when they start to introduce the idea of that. He's the Holocaust survivor mm -hmm. that, that that's, you know, a Claremont, um, as far as I know, a Claremont, um, addition to his character. And they sort of soften him up a little bit. And then from that point on, they have more of a, you know, not so much a common ground, but you sort of have a little more of an in as a character where you sort of see Magneto's point of view a little more. Okay. And then eventually, you know, when um, around, like, you know, like you're talking, that's 141. It's around 200 where Magneto decides to, you know, Xavier has to leave Earth and then Magneto's sort of in charge, but or right. he's running with the X-Men. So, okay. yeah, it's around that time. But I don't think, I don't think it happens before then. I could be wrong, though. Okay. I mean, it's a small aspect to it, but it's 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 like a shocking moment, though, that like when. Oh, sure. When when we see like the, you know, the ragtag group of mutants that's still, you know, alive and, and you know, Magneto's helping them out. Right. Uh, it is it is a bit like like of a natural like, well, of course he would. But at the same time, it's still it's still like, wow, he's with them. That's cool. Mm -hmm. Yeah. No, it's a great one. It it it, it really is. I think. um you know, it's been adapted a bunch of times, you know, it's in, in the X-Men cartoons. It's been done. It's been done in as uh, as the film, uh, which was I'm blanking on what number that would have been. Is that is that the fifth X-Men movie? Sixth? Which one? Days of Future Past. Uh, it's the fifth one. 
right. the fifth one. Yeah. It's the fifth one. Yeah. Which also, it's not a bad one either. I think, uh, you know, Clifton and I have always talked about this. Like, like we were a little disappointed with the way the future looks in the movie. Mm-hmm. Right. Because it's just sort of empty. Right. Yeah. It's just, well, I mean, just sort that, of like floating and it's that one temple. It, it, right? Yeah. That's, all, like, is, yeah, that's really, all we really see in like a cloudy yeah. space somewhere. And it's sort of like, like, and I love the visual of the comic where like you see, like you said, you see all the great, the, the headstones of like all the other heroes and everything like that. And it's just like New York is a mess. Right. right? Buildings yeah. are all just rubble. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And people are hiding out in like the basements of like among rebar and concrete. Mm-hmm. Right. Right. Yeah, it's a great one. It's a great one. It's also, I think, sort of um, we, we kind of talked about in, in our like why we love the Marvel Universe episode about how Marvel's future kind of feels a little bit more like in play. Like there's nothing. It doesn't have like a Legion kind of aspect. It doesn't have a commandy. It doesn't have things like that, like DC does. Right. But this is kind of the one. The one like possible future that kind of always like creeps up like this is the one that's looming. Mm-hmm. A little bit, you know what I mean? Which I think is cool. Right. Oh, yeah. No, it's, I mean, they've definitely gone back to that well, you know, yeah. quite a few times, especially you know, even they do it again. I think the first time is when they introduce uh, Rachel, right? When they introduce Rachel Summers. <laughs> right. Yeah. Yeah. When the, with the JRJR stuff, when that, when that when happens. she comes from that timeline. Mm hmm. Yep. And then, you know, it's just one of those things where they either add to it and then never resolve it or just keep, you know, keep pulling stuff from it. Because I think it's where you get Nimrod too, if I'm correct. You get Nimrod. Does Nimrod come from that possible? You future? get um, also Ahab, and oh yeah, and yeah, also yeah, you yeah, get um, future Franklin Richards. To me, that was the most jarring. Yep. Yeah, you got the yeah. the, the son of the Fantastic Four in a mutant containment camp. Yeah, that was like left field when that dropped. Mm-hmm. <laughs> okay, so. I'm going to go. So this is one that like I wanted to talk about. And then I was like, it's not a future episode, but, you know, thankfully we've opened it up. So I'm going to bring up Over the Edge, Batman, the animated series episode. Yeah. And yeah. Uh, I love this one. I think this is one of the best episodes they've ever done of, of you know, in a show of which I can easily name three dozen episodes that I love, <laughs> you know. <laughs> This one, unfortunately for me, I, this one was sort of like conceptually spoiled for me before I saw it. Right. So like I was obsessed with like at, <laughs> at this point, at this age, like learning everything I could about Batman, the animated series. And this was one of the episodes that aired, I think, like in the UK first or something like that. So I'd seen in inner, I'd seen like like a review where like the plot is thrown out that like, OK, here it is, like, you know, um, Batgirl is killed, right? And then we see where like Commissioner Gordon is going against Batman because he blames him for for his daughter's death, and and it's just like it, it just everything hits the fan in this episode. And I was like, oh man, this sounds awesome. And I just so like I'm a little disappointed that I didn't watch the episode and then have it have like the what the, what's going on right. <laughs> like moment because it's played super straight. In the beginning, yes, like it just—it just looks like a regular episode. It just, you know, it just opens with, you know, the cops breaking down the door of Wayne Manor and they're chasing Batman into the Batcave, and you're like, "What is happening?" Yeah, it totally tosses you in the deep end. It, yeah. it doesn't really—it doesn't play fair, which is good. Which is, you know, a lot of these, you know, when you have the setup, you know full well it's going to happen. It's not nearly as jarring. I think I, I know. I've told you, um, Zach, this story of I was working at the comic shop at the time. 
and I had to be there at noon and I got up and I was getting ready and I'm like, I just wonder what's going on in Batman the Animated Series. Let me flip by it real quick. And I flipped on the scene and all I see is Batgirl's lifeless body thrown <laughs> on the hood of the car. <laughs> Yeah. And I went, oh my God, what the hell was this? <laughs> right. And I had to stop because I had to get ready to go to work. <laughs> so I had to wait all day till I got back to find out what had happened. But it's one of those episodes of, you know, of, of, of all of that animated stuff that's so well done, especially for being the trope of, you know, it's not, it's real, but not real. Yeah. You know, sure. <laughs> so that was to me was that moment of, I'll never forget that of like seeing, of seeing that. Cause again, you know, it was it was something that definitely wasn't done on the kids WB. Well, it was kids. Was it kids WB at that point, yeah. or was that? The, yeah, it was. Okay, so what, I'm, I'm talking Fox uh, Fox Kids. We wouldn't get that on Fox Kids, but on the kids WB with the red skies. Yeah, during that 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 segment, we definitely got stuff like that. So and and th- there's a famous production anecdote of that where like they 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 wouldn't. They originally had a wide shot of Batgirl falling onto the police car, mm-hmm. and for whatever reason. The sensors, the the were, were like you can't you can't do it that way. It's too intense. And then okay. and then so they got the idea like okay, well like what if we put the camera like in the car, <laughs> like at right yeah. like as Bullock is driving or as Gordon's driving, I right. forget who it is. And then her body just like slams onto the hood of the car, and it's oh. so much worse. <laughs> yes. Oh my god. Yeah. So yeah, no, that's a fantastic episode. I love that one. Yeah. No, this is one of my favorites. This this is also one of those that I think this would be a cool one to stretch out. I think that this is a neat, a neat and tidy 22 minutes. Like it's a very, very lean episode. But, um, you know, DC and Warner Animation are always doing those animated movies like three a year and everything. This would be a fun one, I think, to like to, to get like a full movie out of. I think to sort of like revisit this and not necessarily do it in the animated style, but just sort of make it its own thing. I would love to see this played with more. I think mm. I'm, I'm happy with the way it is. I don't want anyone to touch it. Leave it alone. Okay. Don't bother with it. It's, it's good the way it is for me. I could keep, me, I could keep both versions in my head, but okay. it's okay. All right. So, uh, okay, Tommy. Okay. Well, going with the theme of animation, I was thinking of um, the introduction of trunks in the Dragon Ball Z series. Um, I'm not sure if you're fully aware of it because uh, I don't think too many of us are anime watchers, but, <laughs> but which we've covered in recent episodes. Yes, indeed. Yep. <laughs> um, I'm sorry. What? What is it? In yeah. Dragon Ball Z, <laughs> after the whole Frieza saga, which takes a long time, and it um, shows the Super Saiyan, the power of the Super Saiyan. Out of nowhere, a uh, mysterious youth appears, and we have a rebuilt Frieza who just got his butt handed to him in previous episodes, but he comes back ready to uh, take out the team. Trunks, with no introduction or anything, comes in, defeats the big bad, which took like 50 episodes to stop within five minutes of confronting him. Hmm. Not only does he do that, but he kills the antagonist, Father and his brother, I believe. Well, let me say his father. And then talks to um, Goku, who tells him of, of his past, which is basically from an alternate future in which Trunks sees the death of Goku. And he's doing, he's doing his best to prevent that. So these super strong android robots don't come and take over what's in his timeline. That's, that's the hmm. character I want to bring because it's Trunks. Very beloved character in the Dragon Ball Z universe. 
And what is Dragon Ball Z? <laughs> I'm kidding. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I'm kidding. Are you serious? <laughs> you're serious. No, 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 no. I've seen some say. of it. I, I, I have no idea the character you're talking about, <laughs> okay, but I've seen right. some of it because I had friends that were into it. Oh, yeah. The, oh, no. Trunks. Right. So, you've, so if, you've, if you're familiar with it at all, you've seen Bulma, the girl that hangs out with uh, Goku from when he's a child to when he's older. And you've seen Vegeta, who's like the villain early on, who then has his own face turn. Right. Have you, You've seen those two characters, right? I've seen Vegeta, yeah. I've seen him like oh, in, yeah. in his armor with the with the broken shoulder pad, and then I saw right, him right. later in a Hawaiian shirt. Okay, yeah. <laughs> uh, Trunks is their kid from the future. Okay. Vegeta and Balmas. Okay. Interesting. Sounds cool. I don't know what else to say wow, about that. Yeah. <laughs> like, well, you know what I mean? Well, it's a beloved character. Everybody okay. loves Trunks, and the, the way they introduce him is so jarring and so powerful. He even turns to Super Saiyan without going to any training. He just turns it on like a switch. And 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 he comes with a sword. Who doesn't like a sword, you know? <laughs> but, sure, of course. But he's, but he's different, powerful, uh, and introduces a whole new um, story that is different from what we experienced before. Uh, and Trunks, kid from the future. And in the context, the other characters had to go through like seasons and years and years before they could do Super Saiyan and right. training in like their hyperbaric chambers yeah. and stuff. Training <laughs> like a thousand times their gravity. Oh, yeah. yeah. I've seen that episode. Or, <laughs> okay. Seen that one where he's like just, he's pinned down to the floor and like screaming for 30 minutes. Right. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Dragon Ball Z. Yes. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> yes. A lot of montage. Oh, right. oh my gosh. <laughs> I, I've never seen a fight last like 20 episodes, you know? But that's <laughs> but that's the nature of Dragon Ball Z, right? But it, yeah, but it appeared in Shonen Jump in um, July 1991. At least the the manga of the character. It wasn't until later, until like episode 104, of Dragon Ball Z, that they actually bring that fruition. Jars everyone when he sees it when they saw it on Cartoon Network, and I and I was one of them. So yeah, <laughs> the introduction the introduction of Trunks in Dragon Ball Z. How how far into the run about is this? Because I because mean, I do know Dragon Ball Z has a huge huge episode count whereabouts you know i think that's uh episode 104 okay so yeah. so it is actually relatively early i would say you know so compared to relatively the speaking it? i think because i mean that that show has hundreds of episodes <laughs> oh yeah correct oh yeah. oh yeah definitely well they gotta get in all those fights right <laughs> yes and it was crazy it's how small the antagonist antagonist list is compared to how many episodes they've shown <laughs> yeah but no you're relatively right it's it's it in the whole scope of dragon ball z it's early on even though uh, even though it's the 100th episode you know yeah. <laughs> which is yeah, insane that, yeah it's that's like absurd to say but yeah, yeah i mean that's how popular and how big a run this show has oh yeah is that you know 100 odd episodes in that's still early well what's crazy to <laughs> me is too is even as he helps goku from not dying from a heart attack strangely enough his future, his future. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. sorry. He's got diabetes. That's what kills him. That's what does him in. Sorry. Spoiler alert. I'm not, I didn't want to ruin that for anyone. It's it's, type, it's, it's high cholesterol. That's what does him no, in. That's the best. Not all the fights. Not all the fights. Does but that's the crazy part. I'm, I'm dead serious. Heart attack. I know. He, he destroys worlds, but yet succumbs to, you know, a stroke. But anyway. Right. He saves the hero and still has to go back to his world where the hero's dead. So it's like an alternate future timeline that he doesn't even save. What what ends up saving Grace is all the fights he does with Goku and the crew 
makes him stronger and able to defeat these androids that were kicking his butt and had him screaming in a hyperbolic chamber or whatever earlier on. Mm. Yeah. So, yeah. Okay. Total game changer for the series. Cool. Also, I think the first time Dragon Ball Z's ever come up in our show. <laughs> if I'm not mistaken. So this is cool. So, all right. This, this, is, this is good strength. to get it in. I had to show a strength. <laughs> yes. I have a soft spot for it. Like I said, I, I, you know, best friends of mine that were super into this, you know, when we were growing sure. up and everything. And so I sat, I, you know, I, I'm waiting to go out and play and they're like, after Dragon Ball Z, and I'm like, all right. <laughs> no, that's pretty accurate. Cause you know, when, yeah. Yes. And Zach was like, they're still fighting. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. How many episodes is this fight? <laughs> all right. So Frank, what do you got? All right. So this one is, is one that I'm surprised that Tommy did mention. Um, I thought for sure that we've talked about it before in, in previous episodes, but um, well, the the team that was on it, it's for me. I, I chose Justice League: The Nail. Okay, it's a good book. Um, that's a great yeah. book. If you're not familiar with the concept, um, the idea is that for want of a nail in the road, which gives the the Jonathan Martha Kent uh, a flat tire that they have to stop and change, they don't get to Baby Calla on the rocket ship in time. Um, as a result, someone else does. And so, therefore, the world is deprived of Superman. And it's done by Alan Davis. It's a gorgeous looking book. Um, the splash pages in it are awesome. But basically, it shows a world devoid of Superman and how that world develops and, you know, why, you know what happens with like Luthor and the cast of, you know, characters that, that are supporting characters of the planet, as well as, what, you know, how they basically affects the Justice League in general. Right. But it's one of my favorites. I think it's a great, you know, alternate world story. It's one I would like to see animated, quite frankly. I think it'd be a really good animated yeah. uh, project for DC. It would be. You know, just because it, it, there's a lot of touchstones. There's an Amazo bit. Uh, I believe there's a... Is that the one that has the the star a bit, I think? Maybe I'm thinking of, thinking of so this, another name. So this is in Elseworlds, correct? Yes. Okay. Correct. This is This, I think, would make an interesting animated movie because what sticks out to me when I read this, when you gave it to me to read, was it's in Elseworlds where... Everything looks the same. Pretty much. Right? Like the only like one of the only changes is that Superman Superman is different, right? But like but Bruce Wayne still becomes Batman, Hal Jordan mm-hmm. is still Green Lantern, like all of that stuff still happens, which I think is cool right. that yep. uh that you see how immense Superman's reach is in a different way that's not, you know, inexplicably for some reason like why like why why didn't the Waynes die? You know what I mean? Like, I, right. like, I like that everybody else's origin is still intact in this story. Right. You know? No, I always like that, too. I like the fact that, you know, there's no, there's no short, you know, there's no short trope. There's no, like, short, uh, shorthand for the world is suddenly dystopian mess and everything was sort of, you know, right. gets changed because there's no Superman. There would still have been someone superpowered to step up and take his place or do what he did. It just didn't, or things didn't develop the way they would have in Metropolis. So I always thought that was a really, really good story. I mean, you know, uh, the Amazo one you're talking about is where uh, what happens to Ollie as a result of them dealing mm-hmm. with Amazo True. and Superman not being there. That's the part. But to me, right. why, why yes. I don't see that being an animated feature is what what happens to what Robin and Batgirl. Sure. <laughs> yeah, that's that's pretty dark. But it, but in a world where you get an animated killing joke in theaters, I, I don't really see it's dark. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> But I mean, there's dark. I mean, you know, let's talk about you know, if we're talking dark. They've done plenty of dark stuff. Oh no, no, I'm I'm not disagreeing yeah. with you. It's just that's 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 the um, glaring example of uh, of, of right. just of just one scene that they that's gonna have to amend, so to speak. 
for the sure. for the ride release. But no, you're 100 percent correct. They've, they've they've gone worse, far worse. Yes, yes. But yeah, that's a great. You know, to me, I, you know, I always I was like, you know, I think it's one of those that doesn't get near enough praise. And again, I think it's something that there's a little more of a boost than it gets. Right. I think making an animated out of it will be really cool. Yeah. So it's it's a great one. It's a great book. I love it. I love it. I would love to see an animate for it too. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. So, all right, Clifton, what do you got? I don't really have any more that I've thought through. Okay. But give me two seconds. Cause you guys took my uh, Christmas Carol all that time. I was trying to okay. derail Frank. <laughs> took my Christmas Carol. All right. Tommy yeah. wants to get an honorable, but Tommy, you want to go, you want to go right now or, or, or can I get one in? I uh, know. Go for it. Okay. Um, I'm, I'm, uh, I'm drawn by, by going, I'm torn by going with either like the really, really famous one. <laughs> right. Okay. Uh, right. Or going with the, the instance of like my first encounter with this type of story. Okay. And so I'm going to go with the first one. So I'm going to say, so this was a, a Ninja Turtles episode called Shredderville, you know, okay. and this is, uh, th- th- this is structurally exactly the same as the Buffy episode you brought up, Frank. It's, it's, this is like the setup is exactly the same, really like the turtles, you know, fight shredder. He escapes. They take a look, they survey like all the damage that has happened, like, like around the fight, you know? And then, and Donatello's basically, basically like, like, geez, like, I wonder what would it be like if we didn't exist and shredder didn't Mm -hmm. like, like shredder wasn't coming after us all the time. And we weren't like causing all this destruction sort of tangentially from him coming after us. And then they're in the sewers. They essentially like trying to get back home and they get lost and they're trying to find, Mm -hmm. they're trying to find their lair. And then they come back up to the surface and then they find that, you know, it's, it's like days of future past. Everything is terrible. The technodrome is like right in the middle of the park, (laughs) you know, like, it's just like, like, you know, it's the, it's a wonderful life deal. where like, this is what the world is like without them. And it's awful. Uh, and that was my first time, you know, I'm, I don't know, eight years old watch this. And <laughs> right. I'm like, wow, this is, you know, this is kind of screwed up. Um, mm-hmm. so yeah, so oh, that, yeah, it's, it's a, you know, nostalgic beloved one for me that has kind of a funny punchline <laughs> at the end. So no, I've got a nostalgic one now thinking okay. of that. It'll and it good. comes from the, uh, GI Joe animated series. From the 80s, the original. Oh, and it one. was the two-part Worlds Without End. Okay. Which <laughs> is right. an, happens to be like um, uh, several members of, of the G.I. Joe forces end up getting transported to an alternate reality where Cobra won. Mm-hmm. Okay. So they're in like an entire Cobra-dominated world. That's great. And it's, <laughs> and it's terrifying. And I remember watching that when I was a kid being like, what's going on? Like, <laughs> why is everything so bad? Right. <laughs> right. And I mean, it's got like, it's a pretty powerful episode because it ends up with like, like Baroness turns out to be good in that world. Yep. If okay. I'm remembering right, she's You're kind right. of like You're a double right. agent. She's fighting against Cobra in it mm-hmm. and like leading a resistance. And then like the... I mean, spoiling a bit at the end, but like the Joes get a chance, the Joes that went over get a chance to come back and one of them stays. Right. To be like, like, I can help this world. Like this world is, is gone bad. Like I'm not going to leave it. I'm going to try to save these people too. Who, who is it? Right. I'm curious. It's Steeler. Oh, really? 
Yeah. Okay. It's one of the original Joes. Yeah. It's one of the original like. <laughs> okay. So that, that kind of answers Joes. my question. I was going to say, is this, is this Cobra Commander or is this Serpentor time? <laughs> no, it's um. <laughs> so this is early. I'm yeah, guessing. it's yeah, it's pretty yeah. early. I okay. don't think it's Cobra. Or I, don't, I don't think it's Serpentor time. Right. No, it it aired November fourth, nineteen eighty five. Was the original air date. Okay. So it's it's pretty old. This sounds awesome. You guys remember like I, I've never seen this one either. Did, do you remember who the crew of Joe's was in this episode besides Steeler? Um, let me see. Was this, one thing I do remember? It doesn't. Was a shipwreck in that one? Is that the shipwreck? No, now? it's it's. Uh, it says the team Flint, Lady J, Clutch, Grunt, Steeler, Airtight, Footloose, and Barbecue. Ah, and wakes and realizes something's amiss. So I barely remember that one. No snake eyes, everybody. Sorry. No. Yeah. No yeah. <laughs> Now, what I love about this episode, doesn't at one point Steeler find his body in the tank? Oh, I, I think he does, yeah. Because oh. <laughs> I think, like, like, yeah, like, there's, like, all the Joes are dead in that world. Right, oh, my right. God. He find, yeah. He come, yeah, he comes, it's the thing about it, like, at the time, it's it's really, it's really kind of intense because, you know, you, he comes across his own body and he's like, oh, my God, I'm dead here. Like, I'm, the, you know, all like, I, I died with everybody else. So, yeah, but he does have that idea of, if I stay here, I can make a real difference in this Cobra-dominated world. Yeah, that, that episode messed me up when I was a kid. Why don't they do more with this? This sounds because awesome. <laughs> it was. Yeah. But it was, you know... It, Give me a whole show about this. I agree <laughs> but again, but again, But again, Zach, it's one of those things where it's, you know, it's Steeler. Like, like you know, I don't remember what Steeler drove. Does anyone remember? It was a big tank. It was like, I remember it was one of the first big tank is motorized if I remember correctly. Oh, was it really? Okay, I think so. I forget the name of that tank. Yeah, let me look. Hold on, but yeah, that was the one I remember. I had like one of the things where I had someone had given me the figure, like didn't want the figure anymore, but they kept the tank. So I, for some <laughs> reason, I had Steeler in my Joes, right? But I didn't have that. That's pretty much a good depiction yeah. of Steeler the, as a toy. The original yeah. ones I don't commit to memory very well, like the ones that were just like in the green fatigues. Mm-hmm. Always like those guys, you know, like Clutch was another one of those. I remember, I think, and, you know, Grunt, those guys, right. like those are always kind of because there's, there's, there's less, there's less flash with them. Right. Sure. Flash, I, I, incidentally, I think was one of them too. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, he was, according to the toys, he was just the tank commander. I mean, that was like the biggest thing about, like, I think his biggest moment was in that episode because after that he's gone. So. But it's also one of those moments I remember from G.I. Joe where they, you know, they they talk about death, <laughs> like death is something that could actually happen to a Joe or somebody from Cobra. Yeah, so. this sounds so cool. I'm watching this tonight. Yeah, well, you should. <laughs> <laughs> this sounds so I'm serious. I want to show about this. This would be really cool. Cobra yeah. takes over the earth and like the Joes are sort of like spread out everywhere and they're sort of like like kind of meeting each other like. Uh, either yeah. again or for like the first time and so you get kind of like a guest star aspect with whenever you know i don't know chuckles shows up yeah. or something <laughs> or refrigerator perry it's <laughs> right <laughs> that's funny yeah, exactly or balboa yeah. yeah dog pound but he was there we go yeah. n- n- nice little in joke for us i love dog yeah. pound dog pound was my favorite <laughs> but this one is um <laughs> Steeler was one of the first figures released in the first series 1982 he came packaged exclusively with the motorized battle tank or mobat okay That's what it was called, there we mobat? Go. like all of the original 16 figures Steeler was released with straight arms so he was before the swivel mm-hmm. <laughs> so okay and he apparently uh, from his file card he is from pittsburgh pennsylvania 
Makes a little sense. bit, about, a little bit. Of, I'm sure this is the most Steelers been talked about in since 1985. <laughs> yeah. So if if that since, since yeah. they were dreaming up the character, this. <laughs> Thank you, Steeler, for your service yeah. and Yo Joe. So, yeah. so you tired a hero, right? Yeah, basically. Yeah, exactly. You know, well, we don't know what he's still doing on that other earth. No. You know, there's no telling. Well, he probably died as soon as the portal closed. So you know, <laughs> so there's that. There's, too. there's statues. No, no, I'm sure he turned it around. No, there's yeah. statues to him. I'm sure. Oh, of course, I'm of sure. Course. Well, I mean, him and the bear. He's on, say, you know, he he's on the, money in yeah, that world. Well, true. <laughs> yes, exactly. Truth be told, he probably went back for the baroness because there's no other chance he's going to get a, a piece of that in, in real oh, yeah, life. Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Where he's from? Oh, yeah, big sure. Time. Yes, but that's funny. No, all right, that's crazy. All right, Tommy, you got you got your honorable mention or or. Oh, not at all. <laughs> no, I was totally derailed with the G.I. Joe one. I was okay. uh, as yeah. soon as he dropped that one, I was like, oh, my God, I, I remember that. one. It That's was, a great pull, Cliff. Yes. Yeah. It's a, no, it's, a, it's a really great one. Yeah. Complete, I mean, I remember it vividly, but I can believe I didn't think about it for my list. So that yeah. Was yeah, that was perfect. Oh, my God. <laughs> okay. It's a childhood right there. Yeah. You know, see myself watching from the t- TV with my mouth dropped. It's like, <laughs> you know, Joe's died, you know. <laughs> you know yeah, that was, exactly. that was me back then. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. I felt the same way back then too. This is this is the perfect segue to our cool down mm-hmm. over here. So we have a suggested topic from a listener. Mm-hmm. Devon on Twitter reached out to me and he suggested our geek origins as a topic. We love the idea. We weren't sure we could get a full episode out of it, so we just wanted to close out by by doing this one. So he was saying what was it like growing up before D&D and comic movies were everywhere and geek stuff was accepted? So we'll just do a roundtable about this really quick. Thanks, Devon. Yeah. Thanks for listening. It's traditional since I started off from the beginning. Let me start off here, too. What I remember. Don't steal my origin. <laughs> <laughs> oh, well, I got nothing to say then. Okay, no, never mind. Okay. No, I got it. Um, early on, I was introduced. The brief part of this um, to comics was my brother. My brother made me go to a local comic shop called Gappy's. And in there, I got to know everybody in the store and I eventually became an employee. But really, my geek origin is based upon my love of manga and anime, in which then I barely even knew it existed until I worked at this comic shop. Now, what made this interesting and unheard of is there was no streaming sites for it no cable and nothing on the internet that would uh that you could see or stream or or or, or even come across it was a dark time back then it was an incredibly dark time because the time because <laughs> the only way we could see it was through videotape vhs tape and to make it worse any tape we had was copies of Japanese translated stuff. And it was anything we can get our hands on. And they were like copy of a copy of a copy. So it was distorted. Half the scenes looked like snow. And you'd be lucky if it was dubbed. And it didn't mean the dub was an authentic dub. It could have been someone who just ad lib lines to make it seem right with what you were seeing. <laughs> on top of that, we didn't know what we were getting. We were just happy that it was animated, and it was violent. <laughs> now, of course, it's totally different in what you get to see animated shows going back to that era. You can see entire episodes and stuff. But by then, we saw it in tapes that someone got from Japan or wherever they got their copy from, copied it, and then copied it, and then copied it, and then we right. come across right. it. Right. 
Yeah. So they were, yeah. So that's my um, little reach. That's, into- that's like that's like uh, in the in the early '90s when you had like the tape traders for like for wrestling. When you would get like when you would see wrestlers in like Japan and stuff, you could watch like Owen exactly. Hart wrestle Japan and stuff like that. Yeah. Exactly. Like the, con- like the continent? Like the country? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Like the, yeah. <laughs> Owen well, Hart versus all. Yeah, it was a pay per view. He just like it went <laughs> through everybody. <laughs> well, what made it even more crazy that era too is we had to pay 20 bucks for a tape. It's not like mm. we came across for free or people handed it to you. Mm. They, they charge it, they charge it for us. Yeah. I remember that's how I got to see stuff like uh, Akira, Robotech, uh, Riding Bean. There's a whole list of stuff. Uh, Appleseed. There's mm-hmm. a list of stuff right. that I remember from that time in which that's the only way you can get it was like underground bootleg from a person that worked at a comic store. How they got it, who knows? <laughs> right. But, yeah. <laughs> but that's they how we came their across. Ways. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, was, they knew what got it. No <laughs> yes. Yeah. I know what they had to do to get that tape either, you know? <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes. So that's my story. All right, Frank. I mean, for me, it was basically, let me see. I, you know, I mean, my earliest stuff that I was thinking about when I was trying to get this together was like Super Friends and, you know, Batman 66 was on afternoons. You get the first part on like a Monday and the second part, you'd have to get back to see how the cliffhanger worked out on a Tuesday. Um, I've told the story before of, you know, watching um, Fantastic Four in Spanish, the old <laughs> uh, Hanna Barbera one, not really knowing what was going on from the dialogue, obviously, but enough to watch the action. You know, I, I mean, I watched a lot of. I mean, and it was also stuff like I remember vividly when I was thinking about early stuff that I was into. I remember vividly coming home from one of those those family trips where you're like in a family roadster for like a month, and you're driving around and driving around, driving around with your family. And then I remember coming back and like the entirety of my neighborhood, all the kids were like, "Have you heard the news?" And I'm like, "Heard the news about what?" And this is long before the internet and any of that stuff. It was they're making an incredible Hulk TV show. <laughs> and I thought immediately my mind went to, well, how are they going to do the leader? And what if they do like the Quintronic <laughs> Man? How are they going to have the giant robot on TV? Yep. You know, not realizing that budgets and all that stuff comes into play, not to mention special effects, you know, and not that I didn't enjoy the Bill Bixby, Lou Ferrigno, uh, Fugitive Hulk show that <laughs> sure. we got, you know, it's, yeah. it, it'll hold a special place in my heart. You know, mm-hmm. it's not the same thing as a Hulk fighting other the abomination every week. Right. But no, I mean, you know, I was, I just grew up with, you know, like I remember, you know, my, my parents always encouraged me to read. So I remember stuff like I, my dad would you know go on business trips and he would bring me comics or he'd bring me like one of the big treasuries. Like one of my first experiences with Alex Toth is um, there's a super friends um, treasury. That was a dollar, Oof. I think at the time. Oh man, I know. <laughs> that, that, that Alex Toth did all the framing sequences. So he God. draws like all the members of the Justice League. Right. You know, I've yeah. got like, that was my first, that's my first introduction. Now, like, you know? <laughs> oh, of course. Yeah. Oh yeah. I love that book. Uh, it, my first introduction to, um, Amazing Spider-Man Annual Number One was the same thing in a Treasury Edition. My, I think my dad, my or my mom had gotten for me. I remember vividly going to the, um, to the uh, department store, and they had, you know, that was when they would sell comics or more comic stuff like Treasuries. They would definitely put it in the kids like coloring book and, and kids book sections. And I remember seeing the cover for the. Um, if you've ever seen it, it's a Neil Adams cover. It's it's basically it's the I can't remember the issue numbers of Detective, but it's it's the introduction of Rache, right? Mm-hmm. And it's Batman in the foreground, and Talia's behind him, and Rache is like looming giant over the top of it, and Robin's in the foreground, like just, you know, you don't know if he's dead or right. whatever. But I remember seeing that as a kid. So that was, you know, that was some of my first experiences. And I think for me, it was, I think the first proper comic shop we got where I lived in South Texas, I was maybe 
14 or 13 and it was one of those things where you know you know my mom i would beg her on the way to the the, the, the bigger newer mall to like you know can we go by the comic shop you know and that's where it basically really got into it because you know you could get a stack of comics for like 30 bucks you know and i'm talking like like you know for those of you you know like a like a big huge phone book size stack of comics for like 30 dollars. you can't do that now right yeah but you know and I just devoured anything that had my biggest thing when I was a kid was I devoured anything that had a lot of characters in it. I wasn't really a big follower of a writer or an artist or a team. It was just kind of like if the JSA and the JLA were teaming up, I was picking it up. Or if, um, like if say for example, you know, the Avengers were teaming up with the Guardians of the Galaxy, I was picking it up. So a lot of my old beat up comics are just ca- comics that have a ton of characters because I want to know more about the various universes. Because again, outside of we've talked about before, outside of editor's notes. Or someone that was really, you know, really knew what they were talking about, you know, an older kid in the neighborhood or someone's older brother, you didn't really have the opportunity to know stuff because there was no internet. There was no way to just immediately go online and find stuff. And then I think the final thing was, again, we were on a trip, a big family trip, and I'd stayed with some of my cousins and my cousins were into older comics. And I told this story before too. I think the main turning point where I really started getting a, like more, more better stuff for lack of a better term was... Um, I had cousins that had the complete run of New Teen Titans all the way through Judas Contract. They had um, a complete run of all of Byrne and Claremont stuff, X-Men stuff till the point right, right after Dark Phoenix. Okay. Right before the introduction of Kitty Pride, And then they had the Great Darkness Saga. And I read all of those in like one summer. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> like in like a three week span, yeah. I read all those books. And for me, that was like, that was a turning point. You got lucky. That's awesome stuff. Like, yeah. like you, you just happened yeah, right. into some great stuff. Like, sure. Yeah. I mean, they had various other stuff like Supervillain Team Up and some other cool stuff. But that for me was like the turning point where I'm like, okay, I'm seriously into this stuff. I want to start picking it up. And I think right after that is when I started picking up uh, X-Men Uncanny off the, the the rack. And that was the first issue was the introduction of Kitty Pride. Well, it was first joins the team. I'm sorry. Right. First joins the team. So. Cool. Yeah, that's basically, that's basically it for me. You know, from that point on, like being like, like you know, 15, I basically bought comics ever since. So. What's your story, Clifton? I mean, for mine, like, uh, I was introduced to sci-fi stuff early through my dad, especially. He was just a fan of, of, like, everything sci-fi. So any of the movies, like, he would go to and I would go with him. So that's how I was seeing, you know, Star Wars stuff from early, early childhood and, and anything else. And so he was always supportive of, like, anything I was interested in like that. They were, he would support both my parents would, so... I was big into the Spider-Man and his amazing friends cartoon. Yes. And then eventually started seeing, you know, the comics on the spinner rack at seven 11 and my folks would buy them, you know, a comic here or there. And, and that's how I started getting into comics. But then like when I really get into something, like I jump in. Yeah. So I started like reading all the comics I could find around, um, like X-Men around the early two hundreds, I guess, maybe mid two hundreds for uncanny X-Men. But like Excalibur was at the time and like I was just jumping into everything I could find. And uh, so much so, like I remember at the uh, end of a school year once, like in your last days of school when everything's relaxed and teachers are like, oh, you can like bring in something fun to read on your own because we don't have real classes. Like I took comics and this is like in sixth grade or something. And and I do remember like when I pulled them out, I was reading them like kids teasing me a little bit about it being into comics and stuff but then like a few minutes later in the same class the same kids would be like can can i look at that right (laughs) and so that's when i figured out like oh like they just wish like they want to be into this stuff but they're kind of 
Like they're afraid what other people yeah, will think. They're putting on a front. Exactly. Right. Yeah. So like I, I didn't take any of the teasing personally and and, and, and I was lucky there. But uh I do remember thinking that like, oh, like these these things are cool. They're just afraid to admit it. So I'm like, they they wish they were reading the stuff. But I mean, comparing then to now, like the biggest difference just to people who, you know, are younger now was the lack of ex- like the lack of access to this stuff when we were kids. And like how you would be starving for like anything in in media to cover these characters. Yeah. So like every time there was a rumor that one of like there was going to be an X-Men movie long before there was an X-Men movie, like you'd be salivating over just like the idea of it. Like that's how starved you were for for this stuff to be accessible and available in in high budget form. And, And you'd watch like the gen 13 movie right <laughs> like, you hear the rumor because we we're talking about this like long rumored gen 13 animated movie and like you'd be waiting for it and then it never came out and right. you'd be disappointed <laughs> or the the gen x uh generation x fox tv oh, yeah. pilot yeah and the the, the nick fury so like david hasselhoff in, nick fury yeah. or the david hasselhoff like upn nick fury yeah. shield movie yeah like that was the best stuff you'd get and like you'd be so excited before it came out yeah and and i I kind of see people uh you know still kind of like the older fans which is disappointing to me but using stuff like that as as a way to gatekeep now yeah to kind Mm -hmm. of be like well you don't know how easy you have it now and you're not a real fan unless you know you were bullied for liking the stuff or or you know about like the trading tapes like tommy was talking about (laughs) like the only way you could you know, satisfy your appetite for this stuff. And and that's disappointing because I just feel like just count your blessings and right and, yeah. and feel blessed for what we have now and let everyone enjoy it. Yeah. No, yeah, yeah. 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 No, you 100% correct. I, I was, I was never made fun of that much. I mean, I was in my group of friends, like I was the only one like really into this stuff. Like some of my friends were like sort of, tangentially into it like they kind of liked the stuff but they didn't like they didn't go to comic stores they didn't they didn't they didn't like spend money on it you know what i mean and mm-hmm. uh so like i got playfully teased just from my friends being like oh you're such a nerd you're like you're into this stuff and everything but like my so there's like there's three big keys to like my history uh, it, and two of them kind of happen like sort of simultaneously one is my brother like my brother was huge into spider-man and and you know comic books and batman and stuff like that and everything so like i knew he was into those characters so i was inclined for that to to come into like my the second big influence of me which was cartoons right like like i generally got into characters through animation and then picked up comics after like my first comic book is a ninja turtles comic book and i got into it because i was you know i love the cartoon so those are kind of like the, the the two first important things. And then there was a period where sort of like, because I didn't read much. I was buying comics for like the pictures. I just like looking at the art. I didn't really read them ever. And there was a period where I fell out a little bit. And my brother started explaining to me, like there was like one summer where he just kept like pulling stuff out of his collection for me. And I think that the, the key was like, let me get him to start reading some stuff. And it was like, so he, he brought me like Dark Knight Returns. It was the first time I read Dark Knight Returns, right? And I was like, oh, wow, like this is really, really cool. And then year one was like right after that. And then I got like the alien costume and then Craven's Last Hunt and then the Wolverine mini. And then so like, it was this amazing summer where 
you know, I'm 13 and like every week he's like leaving something on my dresser for me to, to, to read. And then from that point on, like, you know, I, I don't think a week has gone by since I was 13 where I haven't read a comic book. But the third aspect uh, uh, is you guys, honestly, like like I'm getting, uh, you know, sentimental here. And but I remember like, Frank, when I met you at the comic store, I remember thinking like, wow, somebody is as into Batman the animated series as I am. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know what I mean? Well, like the funny, I, I, well, the, fu- the funny thing is, some people that yeah. some people may not know this. Your brother and I worked together at a comic yeah. shop. Yeah, exactly. For a short time. <laughs> exactly. Right? So I, I came into the store because that's the one my brother worked at and everything. And and you know, I didn't know that they had stores for those things at that time. You know, but like, right. but you and I started talking. I'm like, oh wow, like he's really into it. And then you and I hit it off there. And I met Tommy right. through you and everything. And you know, Clifton was working at that store later and he Clifton and I started hanging out and everything. And what's cool about that though is like you guys have kind of like kept me into it. And the amount of stuff I'm introduced from you guys still passing me, like, have you read the nail? Mm. <laughs> you know what I mean? And um right. so I think that that's that's kind of the 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 fun part is that like you you find a group of friends that's sort of into this thing and then you get kind of into their stuff and you can kind of love stuff together what i think is interesting now though is my my tastes are pretty mainstream (laughs) you know like i'm a seinfeld (laughs) fan i'm a friends fan and everything i remember thinking as a kid being like i can't be the only one that likes this like i can't be the only one that thinks this is cool i think if really if some of you gave this a shot you might think it's pretty awesome too and then so it's cool to kind of come now we're like you know my father-in-law to my knowledge, has never read a comic book in his life. And he's watched like more episodes of Arrow than I ever will. <laughs> you know, like, and so I think that that's cool that like right. now, like, like every, everybody's into this stuff on some level, you know? Right. So it's fun stuff. <laughs> yeah. There we go. So thanks, Devon. Fun topic. Yes. We, you know, fun to get into it. How about you guys? We want to hear from you. So tell us in the comments, what speculative future stories do you love or ones that we've missed? Also, suggest a topic for us. We might use it on the air. Also, please find us on YouTube. Don't forget to subscribe there as well. It'll help the channel grow. And finally, don't forget to like us on Facebook at facebook.com slash let me know how it is and follow us on Twitter at our show's initials, L-M-K-H-I-I. Thanks for listening and we'll catch you next time.